Okay, we are live. This is going to be an interview with my dad, Shal or Shalom Jakobowitz. If you don't know him, you're going to call him Shalom. If you know him, you're going to call him Shal. It's <laughs> usually the works. And we are going to start the live interview after I close this. So, Shal, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Shal Jacobovic. <laughs> and you're not? Correct. <laughs> I am Evan Jacobovic, his son. Now, you want, what, do you, what do you want in the intro? Just tell me about yourself. What do you do? Oh, uh, I am a father of three, uh, father of one and a half dogs because <laughs> <laughs> technically one of them is your dog <laughs> but he does sleep in my bed a lot um i'm ceo of a of a uh, startup biotechnology company i live in dc born in tel aviv uh raised in montreal and on your childhood what year were you born 1961 and what date january 5th and what day of the week was that? Thursday. And did your parents tell you anything about the day? No. Nothing? <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to ask. Yeah. Only it was Thursday. It was Thursday morning. Um, I don't remember my mother ever talking about that day or what happened that day. Okay. And you said you were born in Tel Aviv? Yeah. Was that in the city or like a suburb? Uh, I think I was born in Ramat Gan, which is kind of a suburb. Suburb? And... Why were you given your first name? I was named after my grandfather. Uh, my father's uh, my father's father, his name was Shalom. He died, I believe it was the October, I was born in January. He died the October before. Okay. So I was named after him. Cool. And what was your most, what was your first most vivid memory? Uh, first most vivid memory was, is, um, Probably when I, I must have been probably five or six years old in Tel Aviv, um, where my friend and I we lived in an apartment building, and I actually went to see the apartment building recently, and it looks very much like the way really? I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we found a, a bullet in its casing, a live bullet, mm -hmm. and my friend and I, my friend, my friend, my friend Ronnie and, my, and myself, we were playing around with this bullet and we were throwing it against the ground to see if we could make it. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. That is like a horrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> you know, just to show you, like, you know, kids do stupid things, which I think is our subreddit. <laughs> um, that, and I do remember one other thing. So I, I'm a lifelong non-smoker mm -hmm. and sort of very anti-smoking. And I strongly have, I have a very strong memory of walking down the street, seeing a cigar on the ground that was still partially lit, and picking it up and inhaling it, and just completely like turning purple and blue or whatever you know. And that's so. Ever since then, you know, obviously, I had a super bad experience as a child in smoking. I've never, uh, I've never smoked, uh, probably because of that. That's funny. Uh, what was the apartment or house like that you grew up in? Uh, it was a very typical, well, depends on when. I moved, we moved a lot, so. I'd say both in Tel Aviv and in Montreal. Okay, so uh, in Tel Aviv, we lived in an apartment building, and um, it was, it looks like it's on stilts, because in, in Tel Aviv, in order to keep the buildings cool, the, 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 the ground floor has no no occupants okay it allows air to flow underneath so yeah, it's it kind of yeah kind of looks like it's on stilts uh i don't remember what floor we lived on we used to walk a bunch of up a bunch of stairs uh, that was in tel aviv uh it's still there uh it's on a street called abba hillel <laughs> um i don't remember i think it was 51 or 61 abba hillel do you remember what your bedroom was like no in montreal yes um, so Montreal, we lived on a, we lived, uh, we moved, we moved to Montreal, moved it to the, into an upper duplex, 
um, on Mackenzie Street in Montreal, just around the corner from our school. Uh, and the bedroom there was my brother my, and myself in a single bedroom. Can't remember if my sister, I think my sister was in there. So it was all three of us in one bedroom. Um, there was an upper duplex. Um, uh, again, I just remember it, it was kind of like a bluish color and the, the, the paint was, the paint, the paint and the plaster were peeling near the window because <laughs> of condensation. And my, my sister used to actually eat the paint. That sounds yummy. Explains a lot, <laughs> which is why she probably has brain damage. Can you describe the neighborhood in Montreal? Yeah. So the first house you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we lived a couple of other houses afterwards. Uh, it was kind of, it was a, an immigrant neighborhood. Uh, it still is an immigrant neighborhood. A lot of immigrants moved there because it's, it's like a, obviously a relatively cheap part of the city. Um, there were it was there were a lot of Jewish kids. Um, it was heavily Jewish in my section. So the next three streets up from me were sort of heavily Jewish, and then once you got up towards another street called Barclay, there were. Um, there were there were a lot of there was a heavier black population in that area, uh, and my 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 school was very mixed. Mm. It was kind of, it was people from all over the place. Probably not a lot of Asians in those days, but you know, a lot of black kids, a lot of Jewish kids. It's probably the biggest mix. A lot of immigrant kids. Cool. Uh, tell me about your parents. Where were they born? So my father was born in Lodz, in Poland. Um, March 18th, 1929. Um, and my mother was born in Yash in Moldova, in, which is Roma part of Romania, um, um, May 15th, 1938. Uh, what are your most vivid memories of them from your childhood? Um, you can have multiple if you want. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my father, uh, <laughs> my father was, you know, quiet guy, but very strong. He was, you know, formed, you know, he was in the military for a while, as, as a lot of people in Israel. Uh, he survived the Holocaust, which he didn't really talk a lot about. Um, but he was very soft-spoken, um, very, um, uh, you know, sort of very kind guy, you know, the kind of guy who, Give, it, give the shirt off his back uh, to someone. Um, my mother was sort of the more headstrong, the louder one. Um, you know, my vivid memory, <clears throat> vivid memory of my mother was her telling me once, this is, pro I was probably nine years old, uh, her telling me to uh, clean up my room and I told her to shut up and her chasing me around the house with a broom, <laughs> <laughs> swiping up and actually killing some, knocking down some plants and <laughs> as she swung the broom at me <laughs> to get me back in line. Um, and my father was a tinker, you know, he loved, he was, you know, he was always playing with either a, an outboard motor or trying to fix something. He was always fixing something around the house. Um, and, you know, he was good. He was good at it. Speaking on uh, punishment, who is more strict? My mother. My mother was more strict, but my father is the only one that ever spanked me. Okay. He spanked me once. Uh, you know, he, I guess we were still new, relatively new, and you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We were living on an, in the upper duplex. This is now in Chamonix, so this would have been three years after, three or four years after we arrived in, in Canada. And uh, he bought... He bought me a brand new bike, which I'm sure he couldn't afford at the time. And uh, I took the bike to the store to go buy something. And when I came out, the bike was gone. <laughs> and he totally lost it. Oh, no. And yeah, he, he, was, he, he started to spank me. And then a very close friend of ours, a uh, family friend of ours, um, a woman named Mutsi, who was you know, a lovely woman, uh, actually came and made, made him stop and actually blocked the door so he couldn't get at me. <laughs> That's nice of her. Yeah. Uh, did your parents have a good marriage? Yeah, I think so. You know, they had arguments like anybody else did, but I think they were, you know, 
Um, my mother married him when she was 18 and he was 27. Okay. So really, I mean, she was, she was more or less the only, um, you know, guy she'd ever been with. Mm -hmm. So she was incredibly in love with him. And I think he was, he was in love with her as well. Um, but you know, they they had their arguments like anybody else. Yeah. I'm going to pause it right here. All right, picking up again with Shal Jakobowitz. We left off on his parents. Did your family, how did your family earn money? Um, my father uh, worked in the uh, uh, garment industry, the Shemata business. Um, that goes way back. So even, even my ancestors in Poland uh, had um, weaving mills. Uh, textile mills um, and so when my father uh, after the war after the Holocaust when they went to Israel he and his father started a business there where they were with a weaving mill as well and when he came to Canada um, he actually didn't have uh, a lot of money and so he went around knocking on doors didn't speak English didn't speak French um, you know he spoke uh, Yiddish Polish uh, and Hebrew probably the most he spoke at that time and probably a little German and he uh, started knocking on doors uh, uh, to um, to try to look for work in the garment industry which was very big in Montreal in those years I think it's still pretty big and this guy named Charlie Berger uh, gave him give him a uh, chance hmm. um, because he spoke Yiddish and uh, he basically started earning a living uh, fixing machines fixing the, the looms mm. and uh, after a while he started his own his own weaving mill so he bought his own machines started a small business um, that was struggling for a long time and then somebody um, a guy named um, Benton Lewis bought that business um, and uh, kept my father in charge of it gave him part of the business uh, part of the profit and that guy grew it actually to be a pretty big business with my father. But my father was just in charge of the mill, whereas Benton Lewis was in charge of selling the material and selling the, uh, the fabric that was produced. Mm. So um, that's how he earned his money. My mother worked with him. Um, I think uh, after three years, when business was, was going well there, my mother went to work with him. So she worked with him for quite a number of years after that. Okay. They took my brother on and my sister on at one point. <laughs> wow. It's a family business. Yeah. Um, how did your family compare to others in the neighborhood? Richer, more poor, the same? Pretty much the same. We, we, we were pretty average in all the neighborhoods. You know, when we first moved to uh, Montreal, you know, we, we, all the immigrants felt like they were in the, all in the same boat, you know, mm -hmm. just having newly arrived and, you know, looking for work and, and not earning very much. Um, then in, you know, then we moved to Chamonix, which was a suburb. Um, uh, the, uh, I think we struggled a little bit for a couple of years. And then once Ben Lewis bought the business, uh, we started to do a little bit better. Uh, bought our own home and then bought a second home, which was bigger. And so, you know, of the, of the number of years we were in, in the suburbs, so the last three years, we were doing better than the average, but mm. up until that point, we were probably doing average. about average. What kinds of things did you did your family spend your money on? Um, um, I don't know. Maybe holidays. We took a, we took some summer vacation was kind of a big deal for our family, mm. um. And sort of leisure activities, a lot of, you know, because my parents spent a lot of time with their friends in restaurants. We had no family in Canada. Well, very low family. My father had two cousins. My mother had a cousin in, in Montreal. So we didn't have a lot of family around us. And so a lot of time, I think, was spent with friends and entertaining and, and um, vacations. We used to, we used to spend, um, I think they probably spent a lot of money on, on going on vacation, a lot of it to the States. Do you have any... Uh... Vivid memories of a, like a specific vacation that was really fun or memorable? Um, well, we used to go back to Israel every couple of years. Those were always you know fun trips because we get to see the family and all the cousins. 
Um, those were always good. And then, you know, the, we used to go to the Catskills in upstate New York. New York. And um, those were always fun because we were, you know, I was a teenager at the time. And it was almost like going to adult camp, right? So we'd go to these hotels and then uh, for, you know, a week or two, you'd basically be on your own and mm. see your parents at dinner. And then the rest of the time, you'd be hanging out with other kids your age. Mm. And so that was, a, that was an awful lot of fun. That's, that's where I lost my virginity. <laughs> it's another story. It's, it's a longer story. <laughs> I was a camp counselor. <laughs> How many uh, brothers and sisters do you have? I have one of each. I have a brother who's three years older and a sister who's three years younger. Uh, what memories do you have of each of them when you were growing up? Oh. <laughs> so my, my sister and I were always close. So we had, um, because it was... We were all three of us were close right up until the time my brother became a teenager, and then he was kind of like on his own, and so my sister and I were always close and still are close, uh, closer than my than I am with my brother. Um, my brother became kind of a bully, and kind of apart from us, and he used to, um, you know, we we wouldn't see him for a long you know long stretches of time. And when we did, it was never a pleasant experience. He didn't like to talk much. You know, he was, he was, um, he was a bit of a loner. Not, not loner, he had a lot of friends, but he was a bit alone with us. I mean, he really didn't yeah. interact with us very much. And so, um, you know, we had, we had our uh, um, disagreements when we were teenagers. And um, I think that... I think that, that affects your relationship throughout your, the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, did you have grandparents? Yes. Everybody has grandparents. <laughs> were grandparents alive <laughs> when you were alive? <laughs> you got to where you are. <laughs> yeah. Inevitably, everybody has them one way or another. Um, yeah. So I did not know, obviously, my, my grandma, my my paternal grandparents I did not know. My grandfather, as I said, died the October before I, before right. I was born, so I, I did not know him. And my maternal my paternal grandmother died during the war, okay. so I never knew her uh, at all. Um, I did know my maternal grandparents uh, a lot better. So my uh, grandfather uh, Elias um, uh, was around. He he attended our wedding, so he was around. Do you know where and when he was born? Yes. Um, I don't remember his birth date. He was born 1909 in, in Yash, in, in, uh, in Romania. Uh, my grandmother was born 1913 on, I believe it was December 21st. What do you remember about them? Uh, my grandfather was uh, a very kind, quiet guy. He had he was he was injured during the war. Um, he fell into a pit of some kind, and, and injured his back, mm-hmm. and was not able to really work very hard after that. He was a uh, he was a custodian at a school for a very long time, so just doing some cleanup stuff. My grandmother was a seamstress. Um, very strong personality, uh, very strong willed, um, and yeah, I was probably a lot closer to her than my grandfather because he was really quiet. Um, she died in Israel, uh, obviously quite a few years ago, um, but she was very, um, very outspoken. She liked people to understand where she stood on everything, hmm. and, and and very progressive. Right, because really? she, yeah, she was very progressive. Because she was, you know, she had to carry the load in terms of work mm. and in terms of earning the money. She was, um, uh, you know, very um, interested in our lives. She was very interested in sitting down and talk to us. When she used to visit us, they, my my parents used to fly her over to Montreal um, uh, every couple of years, and she. You know, she loved to just sit down and talk and tell us about her life. And there's actually, she used to hum a lot. She used to love opera. She, she told me she used to take my mother to opera 
well, my mother told me she used to take her to mm. opera all the time, but she used to hum all the time. And it was just funny because just the other day I was, I was um, playing the tune that she hums. In oh, the head. opera song? No, not the opera song. It's, it was a, the, she used to hum, there's a, uh, a musical piece called Limelight uh, by Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that played in the movie. There's a movie called Limelight too, the Charlie Chaplin movie. Sweating or something, um, and I was humming. I was humming that in my head, and I actually looked it up on Spotify to see if I was humming it right. Uh, she used to hum that a lot, and it sticks in my head. It's one of it's kind of a funky thing that sticks in my head from my grandmother. Mm. But she used to always be really interested in our lives and talk to us about what we're doing and what we should be doing, and tell us what she believed about the world and stuff. She was she really loved just doing that. And I have very fond memories of sitting on the porch with her. Um, and just talking to her just about stuff, anything. Mm. Tell me about the pets you had when you were a kid. <laughs> Kingland, one through ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had uh, uh, two dogs, um, no, three dogs. So first dog we had was a, uh, a puppy we got from the uh, SPCA. Um, my, uh, my sister and I went to the SPCA Actually, I had to take a bus to go to the SBCA to go into town because my mother did not want a dog. She didn't want any pet. She was bitten by a dog when she was small and she never wanted to have a dog. Mm. But we wanted, to, as kids, we wanted to have a dog. So we would have been probably uh, early teens at that point. And uh, we went and we went to the SBCA. We picked up this black and white dog, a uh, furry dog. His name was King. And uh, brought him home. Um, he was very sweet dog. Um, you know, obviously this was our first pet. We thought my mother was going to have a Harry, and she did have a bit of a fit. But you know, he was so cute, she fell in love. Uh, I have very, very um, vivid memory. Well, you don't understand why. Dog was bloated, so he obviously had something wrong with his stomach. We took him to the vet. Vet said he had worms, so he gave us these little pills. He goes, "Give him this. Little, I'm going to give him this pill now." And then when you get home, you give them the second one. That'll get rid of the worms. Great, no problem. So we bring the, bring the, the dog back home, and we put him down. As we enter the house, we have a set of stairs going up to the second floor. As we enter the house, the dog starts walking up the stairs. And as he's walking up the stairs, these handfuls of worms are coming out of his rear end. <laughs> oh, my God. All over our carpeting. And our carpeting was kind of like a gold brown color oh, no. so these worms are kind of something when they were falling in they'd be hard to find because it was shag carpeting and i do and i'm walk I'm, I'm following this this puppy up the stairs with my hands cupped behind him capturing oh all these worms oodles and oodles of worms coming out of the rear end it was it was really it was really disgusting so we had that puppy and i honestly can't don't remember how long but he wasn't i don't think he was must have been a few months that we had him and we had a neighbor right before Halloween I remember the time right before Halloween uh, I don't know if, I don't remember who took him for a walk but it was probably me taking him for a walk and he stuck his head in a in a in a bag in a paper bag that was on a lawn of, of a, a neighbor that was probably like six or seven houses away uh, you know yanked him away and kept on going and I get back home, and the dog went into seizures and died. The guy had put uh, poison, like strychnine, rat poison, in a bag because he didn't like the, the dog next to him, like mm. directly next to him. And um, the dog wound up dying of strychnine poisoning. I see. Then we had a dog uh, named uh, um, King Two. <laughs> My parents splurged, and we went and got a collie. From probably a puppy mill in those days and he was a big boy and he was smart and uh, large I mean he must have been probably 80 pounds 70 80 pounds and uh, we had a backyard we had a chain link fence in the backyard and we used to keep him there and then you know in Montreal the snow would go it was probably a five-foot fence would go like uh, the fence would be completely buried. There'd be like an inch of fence left, mm-hmm. and he would never, he wouldn't even cross the little teeny fence because he knew he was not allowed to go <laughs> beyond that fence. He was very smart, 
but we were, you know, we didn't know how to train a dog properly, and we used to um, be, you know, a rough play with the dog. So he occasionally like to um, not bite people, but he would put he put, yeah, put his mouth, mouth over, their over their arms, or, you know, as sort of a, a sign of love or something like that. So a couple of really funny memories of him was one is uh, I was watching, uh, I, I was looking out the front window, the dog was in the backyard, and there was a kid, there was, there was a kid, a small kid, probably like seven, eight years old, walking home across, you know, in front of our house uh, with a loaf of bread in his hand, probably had to go get a loaf of bread to go uh, to bring it home from the bakery. And the dog jumps over the fence and puts his arm or his mouth around that kid's arm. And the kid's like freaking out, right? So he drops the bread and runs away. Dog picks up the bread, jumps <laughs> over the fence, comes to the back door, scratches at the back door to come in. He brings the loaf of bread, <laughs> brings the loaf of bread home. And then he didn't like, he didn't like the, the uh, delivery guys, right? And we were, you know, our houses were in fairly close proximity to next door to, uh, to our neighbors. And one time we're at, we're in the house and my parents have some friends over and it's probably a, you know, Friday or a Saturday evening. And, um, our neighbors ordered a pizza and the dog jumped over the fence and did that to the pizza guy. <laughs> and the guy dropped the pizza and was like pretty upset about it. Said, you know, thought the dog bit him or something like that. Then the dog jumps back, scratches the door, comes inside. And then the guy comes knocking on the door, on our door. My father answers the door. I was, I was at the top of the landing. I could hear him. Um, and then, you know, my father opens the door and the guy says, tells my father, your dog bit me. My father says, no, he's not. My dog's right here. <laughs> <laughs> the dog was in the house. So that dog got a little bit out of control in terms of uh, doing that, jumping out. And yeah. so we wanted to train him. And so we found a trainer through a, through a neighbor's, a neighbor's friend was a dog trainer. He had like a camp for dogs that was kind of up north, about an hour north of where we lived. So we gave him the dog to go train. Uh, apparently the dog got out of the, this is what he says, we don't believe the story, got out of his cage and got run over. Wow. And um, so we went up to pick the dog up. Uh, my brother, myself, my sister, uh, he was driving at the time, so he took his car, we went up north. Uh, to this farm to pick up the dog, the car, dog's carcass, and the dog was emaciated. So we think the dog guy was beating the dog, or the guy was not was maltreating, mistreating mm. the dog. And uh, we loved that dog. That dog was so good to us. My mother was completely in love. My father mm. was all, all in love with this dog. He was so sweet. And so he died. We wound up, you know, uh, then we wound up getting another collie, Rami, who was just a sweet. Swedish sugar, right? Big nose, super smart. You know, I could, you, when I training that dog was like training, um, shadow, like, you know, uh, the dog we had later on was like, he learned how to, all the commands he learned right away. Mm. Right? He learned with, by the time he was four months old, he, I couldn't teach him anymore. He knew everything. He walked beautifully. He sat, he, you know, he listened, he wouldn't touch stuff. He dropped stuff. I mean, he did everything he could do, mm. and he was just super smart, just a really super sweet dog. And that guy, that dog lived till he was twelve. As an adult, I had to put him down, and that was like a really rough day. Mm. How old were you when you had to put him down? Uh, I was probably twenty-six. Mm. What were you like as a child? Wild. <laughs> <laughs> the only way I can describe it. My my parents were convinced I was going to be you know in jail. <laughs> so I was as a as a as a young child I was pretty wild. I used to um, uh, be very. I was very aggressive. Uh, remember beating up kids who would make my brother's three years older. So his his contemporaries when they would make fun of him I would go beat them up. <laughs> uh, I was just a, I was a wild child, admittedly, admittedly. Uh, and then. Um, you know, it, it turned around when I became a teenager, when I became probably 12, 13 years old. I just, I don't know what happened. I can't even tell you. Um, actually, I can tell you. I think that's one of the major things was, I think, uh, <laughs> so I would have been probably 12, 11 or 12. Uh, so we lived in a, in a street called Elizabeth in Shawnee. It's a suburb of Montreal. And 
I was kind of like the kid who was giving all the other kids really bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so it was summertime and uh, everybody was off school. And our, our school was obviously locked down. There was nobody in the school anymore. But I decided it was a good idea, good idea to try to break into the school. Because it was going to be fun to go. Yeah, of course. You know. I've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I took some friends, all, you know, some neighbor kids, uh, including my sister, um, and we went to the front door, and there was a mail slot at the front door, right? Mm-hmm. And you know how they have those bars in schools where you push the bar and the door opens? Yeah. It's like a bar across. Well, I took a coat hanger. I reached it through. Reached it through, pulled the <laughs> door handle, and then it opened. So then I went inside, but I did not know, which is as obvious as an adult, that there was an alarm. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. And so we went in, and we just wreaked some havoc. We went into some, some art classes, and we played around with some materials and stuff. And then we went out to the back door, uh, and so uh, and looked out the window as we were going to leave. And we saw some police officers checking out the, the, the perimeter. Mm. You know, if we were smart, we would have just waited because there was no obvious break-in. There was right. no broken windows. It was a pretty clean break-in. Probably a false alarm. Probably a false alarm. They just would have left. But uh, one of our one of our neighbors, Stanley, uh, panicked, and he opened the door and he started running at the back. And so the cops started like you know running after him, and then the rest of us started scattering. <laughs> and then uh, I actually went in under a went went in under a the fence. And I started to run away, and my sister couldn't get away because she was small. And she's three years younger. Yeah. And so the you know police just officers just started yelling for me to stop, and I just stopped and turned around because she wasn't looking. Mm. I would have been found dead anyway. So we're we're uh, so that we're in the yard in the yard in the side uh, on the side of the um, uh, the yard, um, right literally across the street from my house. Like literally, my house is across the street from there, and it must have been evening, early evening, because my my mother went out onto the balcony calling us for dinner, and completely ignoring the fact that there were cops and little kids in the, in the yard, right in, not virtually in front of her. She couldn't imagine that it was any of her kids. In the <laughs> and then um, you know we straightened it all out. There was no obviously no charges or anything. We didn't do anything, uh, and then that. You know, and I was a pretty wild child. At that point, I also used to forge my parents' signature to get out of class, get out of school. Notes. I used to forge notes. They they, they found they found me out for that. Uh, I um, I used I got called out uh, mimic because I was I got suspended once because I was mimicking my vice principal. Uh, we were teachers was trying to be serious in a class. This is grade six trying to be serious in the class and I started laughing hysterically making fun of her and it was my friend KK and I and we both got carted off the vice principal his name is Mr. Potts I remember his name came to get us and he had a wooden leg he had like a peg leg it wasn't a peg leg I think it was I think it may have been one of those boots you know where people have one one leg considerably shorter than mm-hmm. the other and he had one of these Extension boots. extension boots things right so he kind of hobbled right and so we're walking behind him as he's taking us to the you know the administration office and both KK and I started mimicking him <laughs> he turns around and he sees us mimicking him and we both got like we both got suspended um, um, anyway so as a as a really wild child at one point after this police incident my father uh, very vivid memory my father sitting me down in my in my room and uh, with like tears in his eyes, saying, asking me, how, how can I help you? How can I stop you from going in this direction? Because I, I don't know what to do. And I think, I, I didn't give him any answers because I didn't know any answers. But I think at, at that point when I saw, you know, the look on his face and how he felt and how I was making him feel, I, I just straightened out. And I became a good student after that. And, we, luckily for me, we moved. Uh, we moved just probably a couple miles down down the street from where we were, and I was going to a new school. I had to repeat grade six, mm-hmm. uh, and this was a whole new set of kids with kids who didn't know me. Right. And I got to sort of to start, you know, start fresh. fresh yeah. Mm-hmm. What were your like, favorite foods when you were a kid? <sighs> um, 
I, the stuff I still like now, you know, chopped liver, potatoes, mashed potatoes, so like big time. Um, used to love candy, a lot of candy. Um, Did you have a favorite candy? Used to love that, you know, the um, uh, Lickamade. It's this colored, it's got multicolored powder. It's basically probably sugar, mm-hmm. right? It come, used to come in little packets, and you'd open it up, and you just... You're talking about the ones that have, like, a, a candy bar, and you, like, lick the candy bar, and you dunk the candy bar in, and it comes out with, like, powdered sugar on it? Okay, so just think about that the sugar that's in forget the bar itself mm-hmm. the sugar that you dunked into you just pour that in your mouth yeah so so just it was, i think it was called licamade it was just the can't used to come in little satchels and little packets mm-hmm. and it was basically i think it was basically sugar with little colored pieces of it. <laughs> sugar and color <laughs> <laughs> the best things are made of sugar and color i used to love that stuff um, and gummy bears things like gummy bears i love gummy bears mm-hmm. do you have any favorite toys uh no no i didn't really have uh we didn't have a lot of toys we used to just, we used to go play a lot unlike now we didn't we, i didn't <laughs> we used to just go outside and play with stuff did you ever have a, a secret hiding spot me and the well um now i i when we lived in in shamity the, the back of our house uh, was a very large field and we used to go play hide and seek in that so that was always a good place to hide mm. what did you used to wear when you were a kid really really nerdy clothes <laughs> <laughs> you know we didn't have a lot of money as a, as a child so we didn't uh uh you could see some by you know even my bar mitzvah pictures you could see is like this brown suit and clothing <laughs> clothes that i have but i don't know just sort of yeah, t-shirts, Rigorous jeans, stuff. yeah, nothing nothing unusual. Did you get an allowance? Yeah, I used to get a small amount, like five bucks a week or something like that. Did you spend it or did you save it? No, I didn't save it. There's <laughs> <laughs> no you save it. What did you buy? <laughs> Mostly candy. Candy. <laughs> uh, what responsibilities did you have? Did you have chores or anything? Yeah, I used to vacuum. Mm-hmm. That was my chore. Um... We all had little chores we did around the house, and uh, my thing was vacuuming. Mm. Next, next question is uh, what kind of school you went to. But I, see, I hear you went to a few. Did you want to talk about both of them? Did you want to talk about the one you spent the most time at? Yeah, this is your time pre high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, the, I went to the, my first school was uh, one called Coronation, which was on Mackenzie in the area, first area we lived in. We went there for I went there for three years. Um, Met some friends there that, through family friends, some people on my street, that uh, I still talk to. Yeah? Who? Uh, Stanley and Lisa Markovich. These are friends from elementary school or middle school? Uh, elementary school. Wow. So I, I, I still talk to them, on, you know, see them on Facebook every now and then. Hmm. Uh, my One of my oldest friends, uh, John Asarath, um, I've still communicated with him. He lives in San Diego. Hmm. Uh, communicated with him recently. Um, he 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 went to my school, but he lived kind of far away. We used to see each other a lot at school, and our parents became friends. And so we I used to see him a lot because our parents were friends. Hmm. Um, and I was friends with him throughout elementary school, and then uh, he actually moved to our area in the suburbs. So. Um, he lived. He lived not far from me in high school. And I used to see see him. Uh, we weren't friends in high school. We knew each other socially. We were friendly. But we weren't friends in high school. Um, so I still know where he is and what's going on with him. Um, so that was the first school. That was Coronation. Um, and then we, the uh, Hillcrest, the second the second school, uh, was the one across the street from me. The one we broke into. Um, that was the second school. That was the second. And then the third one, where I only went for one year, grade six, mm-hmm. uh, was Souvenir. Okay. And then we had moved. Did you have any favorite teachers? In elementary school? I don't really remember that many of my elementary school teachers. More, I remember more high school, high school teachers. 
Uh, what high school teachers did you like remember? Um, I used to I had a couple favorites. <laughs> so, um, one guy, uh, uh, Ray Lapointe, was my chemistry teacher. First of all, he's the one who sort of turned me on to the sciences. I really loved his class. He's so interesting. He was so funny. And I think he was pretty much stoned the entire time <laughs> we were there. He would, he would come in on occasion and he would, you know, put his head down on the desk. He goes, everybody reads like chapter three. I can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't deal with this. So he was, but he was so interesting. He treated us like adults. Um, he, made, he made science fun. He made chemistry fun. Um, I still, you know, I still remember, you know, this is high school. So I would have, I would have had him in grade nine and 10. And, uh, you know, anytime I hear a glass break now, because it's chemistry, right? You know, one of the rules was in the class, you're supposed to report all breakages. Mm -hmm. And so anytime something broke, he'd yell out, report all breakages. <laughs> and then after a while, it became a joke in the class. As if something would break, the entire class would break out and report all breakages. <laughs> <laughs> but he was really interesting and he made, he made science a lot of fun. Um, there, uh, what was it like? Oh, my physics teacher, another one. So, another physics teacher, a guy, he was from the islands. I don't remember which one, I think maybe uh, like Barbados or Bermuda. No, not Bermuda, I think Barbados. Uh, Mr. Stewart had a very heavy Caribbean accent, and he used to, he used to, when he was frustrated, he used to get, um, I used to swear in the class, but in the Bajan dialect. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what he was saying. So he used to, he used to scream out bumble club. <laughs> <laughs> and he would, he would like, he would motion. He, he and I had a really good relationship and he was really super nice guy. He made, again, he taught, he he was a really good teacher. And, but he had, he had a soft spot for me because I was, I used to pick on this one guy in front of me and he knew it. And uh, when I would pick on him, he would start yelling at that guy. <laughs> I, would, I would whack him in the back. He used to sit in front of me. I would whack him in the back of the head. And he would yell, ow. And Mr. Stewart would, you know, would stare him down. And he'd go, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but he knew damn well that was me whacking him in the back of the head. Did you have any uh, heroes or role models when you were a child? Uh, you know, I think my father was my hero. Uh, definitely a role model for a lot of things. Um, um, I was, you know, when I was, I, I was a, I, I was a big Star Trek fan from like very early on, and I used to really love watching Star Trek. And I think that you know, Captain Kirk and the whole series was kind of, mm. um, uh, you know, I really lo looked at that as sort of. A role model for me. Mm. How'd your family celebrate holidays? <laughs> Loudly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we weren't a very religious family, but uh, and, you know, during the holiday, we always celebrated the holidays. We used to go to synagogue um, uh, across the street. You know, where we lived across the street from the school. Mm -hmm. Next to that was a synagogue. <laughs> so we used to go to the synagogue. There it was called Young Israel of Shamli. Uh, we'd go there, um, so we would have family gathering. We didn't have any. We didn't have any family in in uh, in Canada, so we used to get together with friends. And um, my mother had a distant cousin um, who was a rabbi, and we would occasionally get together with them for the holidays. Mm. Uh, did you have any traditions that you guys had? Uh, none that none that come to mind. No. Yeah. Was there any specific food that you remember being served on holidays? It's always the same shtick, right? It's always <laughs> you know, uh, chopped liver, <laughs> chicken soup, uh, chicken. Uh, I feel like Jewish holidays potatoes. are very strict as to what you can serve <laughs> on those holidays. I think it's just Eastern European <laughs> Eastern European fare, right? Yeah. This is like you know, they were, what did they have? They had chickens, they had potatoes, <laughs> they'd be borscht. Yeah. You know, um, some other root vegetables, <laughs> some other root vegetables, exactly. <laughs> Flunkin, you know, there'd be, you know, short ribs, things like that. Uh, um, 
My mother was a really good cook. She used to make a lot of really good food. Any herring? Herring. Yeah. Yeah, herring was always popular. What was the uh, best gift you remember getting as a kid? Best gift? I think that bike that I lost. (laughs) (laughs) Short-lived gift. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely short-lived. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I guess it changes, but... It changes, yeah. So I, I think I... There used, there used to be a, a TV show, an Australian TV show that we used to see in Canada called Skippy. Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can probably find it on YouTube. <laughs> on YouTube, that for sure. <laughs> Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. It was kind of a, it was kind of, you know, you know Lassie, the Lassie series? Mm-hmm. So if you took Lassie but made him a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> the heroic kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically that. But it was... Um, now, having seen that, and used to our favorite show used to be uh, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, where they used to go do like it used to be on safari. They used yeah. to show you all these wild animals. Um, it was right, I think it was right before or right after the Disney. Disney was a very popular show mm-hmm. uh, in those days. Uh, so we used to watch uh, that. So I wanted to be a a forest ranger. Okay. Right. I wanted to be a ranger, which I still think would be kind of a cool job. <laughs> Maybe boring, but cool. Yeah, just taking care of the forest, watching out for forest fires, making sure the bears get out of traps. Yeah, stuff. until you walk into some cartel grill. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I really wanted to do that. And then I wanted to be uh, a doctor for a long time. I think maybe my mother wanted me to be a, me to be a doctor more than I did. Um, and... Yeah, just because I was basically interested in the sciences. I think Star Trek and, and things like that really got me interested in science and science fiction. And so um, I wanted to do something in the sciences. I wanted to be, I wanted to be a chemist for a while also. Hmm. Uh, what big world events do you remember from your time when you were growing up? Um, big, the biggest one, I, the earliest one I can remember is the 73... Uh, the Israeli Arab War, the October War, 1973. Mm-hmm. I was up late at night. I was listening to a, a small radio, mm-hmm. and the, the the whatever I was listening to was interrupted by the uh, by the news that you know Israel had been attacked. By, you were living in Israel or in Canada? No, no, we lived in Canada in '73. Okay. We moved to Canada in '67. Okay, and uh, just remember being worried about what was going on in Israel at the time, paying. You know, listening to the radio constantly to hear what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first big sort of uh, news event. So, the 73, you know, I would have been uh, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Any others? Uh, in those years, like early childhood? Uh, Did you say through high school? Well, through high school. We remember a lot of stuff through high school. Uh, um, I guess the, you know, the Antibi raid. Uh, you know, the Israelis went to rescue all those soldiers, all those uh, people who were hijacked by the plane. I remember that. Um, I think that's probably, those are probably the big ones that I remember. But I guess, I don't know why they're all war related. <laughs> or they're military related. Those are the kind of the big events. Well, probably because they had a connection to your family. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what inventions do you remember the most? Inventions? Uh, definitely the, sort of the advent of the calculator. Yeah. Yeah. Because before, I mean, you got to realize that, you know, growing up there were, you know, you know, slide rules and multiplication tables <laughs> and people memorizing those things. And then the calculator came out, you know, these <laughs> big bulky calculators. And then it became very quickly, very rapidly. Started getting smaller. They started getting smaller. Not only smaller, they used to have functions in them. Mm. You could you could map out graphs and stuff like that. And so I remember, you know, these little Timex at the time. You can have this sort of pocket computer that was probably had zero computing power, right? But you know, we were all fascinated by the advent of the computer and and what it could do. They even played the first computer game on a calculator. It was like a calculator. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a Timex thing. And you would, it was a, a game, uh, <laughs> you'll think this is funny, uh, it was a game called Dictator. And the point, you were supposed to enter 
do different things. Uh, you're supposed to steal money from your country into a Swiss bank account. Um, and at the same time as earn money mm -hmm. like by either selling drugs or, or selling arms or stuff like that and still maintain keep your population from re rebelling against you. <laughs> How could you get such a detailed game on a calculator like that? That's... It was pretty cool. That's it was like, cool. yeah, it was, I, I mean, it was, it was probably pretty simple when you think yeah. about it. You could, there were only a couple of things you could do. Yeah. You know, you could add more money, you could pay off, you could, you know, give, mo give money to your whole population, you know, a dollar each. Right. And then, you know, it keeps them from rebelling for a little while, <laughs> you know, and then when you built up enough money, one of the things you had to do was buy a helicopter so you could escape when, <laughs> when, the, when they inevitably get sick of you. <laughs> they, exactly. And so you needed to, you know, so you needed, it was kind of a really funny, we used to love playing that game because it was so funny. Hmm. And then the very first consoles came when I was a teenager. Hmm. So we used to go to my friend, I didn't have one. We used to go to my friend Steve's house and uh, we used to play a boxing one and a hockey one. Uh, you know, the first one was Pong, right? It was, right. Like, it was back and forth. <laughs> yeah, it was back and forth. But then, you know, very quickly, you had some, you know, cool little games that you could play. Frogger. Mm. Um, uh, like I said, the boxing one was a, was a very popular. Mike Tyson Punch-Out? Yeah, it was a little <laughs> like that. <laughs> Mike Tyson was around in those days. That was pre-Mike Tyson. Uh, um, what do you think is different about growing up today than from when you were growing up? Obviously, social media is, you know, I'm so happy social media wasn't around. Um, yeah, social media is kind of the big thing. Obviously, the amount we work with computers, communication, uh, just and the, um, just the ability to stay connected is way different. And what people play with now, you know, I was outside as a kid, outside most of the time. My parents weren't thinking about me being kidnapped or taken away or anything, right? The yeah. kids were basically... As kids, we were not in the house for the entire day. We weren't sitting at home doing something, playing right. games. You know, if you you were sitting at home, you were it was bedtime. You were doing reading or homework or something else. You weren't really at home. Mm. So just being out all the time. I think people don't do that now. The kids aren't out roaming the streets the way we were. No, <laughs> yeah, it's just not. It's just not done. Well, doubly now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, but yeah, the pandemic is a whole different story. But... But even now, you don't see it. Unless you're living in the country, you're not spending your time in the woods. No. You will see some kids at playgrounds and stuff, but it's definitely not as popular as it once was. Yeah. We were, we were, you know, teenagers, we were just hanging out, you know, like we were getting on our bikes and going to the park and going, you know, playing, you know, playing base, playing pick, playing pick up baseball, pick up football. I feel like uh, my generation was like the transition period from playground to, to video game. Yeah. Because I still remember going to playgrounds when I was young, but I also remember spending a very significant amount of time playing video games. Yeah, I don't know. Did you go to Did you go to a lot of playgrounds when you were, sort of, twelve? What grade is that? Twelve would be probably grade six. Then yeah, still. Yeah. Yeah, we did a lot of that. I think that's that's a that's a big difference. Um, when you were a teenager, what did you do for fun? <laughs> what did I do for fun? I was just hang out with friends. I mean, that was kind of the big thing. We get together on weekends. During the weekdays, we never got together. We, you know, you after school you'd hang out. So we all walked to school. So uh, we'd all hang out after school. Um, even came used to come home from school at lunchtime so frequently. Really? Lived so close. Just come home for lunchtime, watch the Flintstones. Have <laughs> That's eat, nice. Eat, have Flintstones, and go to the <laughs> That's really nice. And walk back to school. Um, then we'd, you know, we'd inevitably after school, we'd, uh, on our street, we played street, ho street hockey or hang out with our friends. And, uh, you know, as teenagers, we used to hang out more, you know, we didn't hang out as much during the week because we had so much homework. Uh, on the weekends, we used to go to somebody's house, my friend Joe's house, Steve's house, one of the Steve, we had two Steve's, uh, one of the Steve's house, uh, get into trouble. You know, we started drinking early. You know, we were 14, we were going to bars. Jesus. Uh, you know, 14, 15, we'd go to bars. And that was just didn't cart? 16. Huh? They just didn't cart? They didn't cart. And you knew which bars... Did so dingy bars? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Some of them were not were okay, but they just didn't. They didn't pay attention. So we would be sixteen years old, 
but now talking about Montreal. Oh, the drinking age would only be 18. 18, yeah. Okay. So it's closer. Yeah. So, you know, we go to bars, we go have, you know, one place, the Annex, which never carted anybody, right? We just we used to go there all the time. And then a place called Casa Pedro's, they used to serve these really good sangria. Mm. We used to get hammered on sangria. <laughs> um, so we used to, you know, hang out and play, play some video games at that point as a teenager uh, at people's houses, smoke. What was the most trouble you got into as a teenager? As a teenager, I didn't get into a lot of trouble as a teenager. We used to do a lot of crazy shit, but we never got into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you never got caught. <laughs> never got into trouble. The stupidest thing we ever, you know, I'm trying to think of this, you know, I've told you some stories about these things, but yeah, we used to do some pretty crazy things. Um, uh, a lot of th- a lot of it revolved around parties, mm. just having house parties, like like I guess the way kids do now. Um, but we were, you know, we had some friends who we were pretty abusive of. Parents would be away, and we'd, we'd abuse their house. Was, you would, there was no mistaking that there was a party at this house. <laughs> <laughs> things would be broken, things would be stolen, <laughs> but the police would be there. <laughs> were there any uh, phrases or sayings that were popular when you were a teenager? Um, phrases or sayings? I'm trying to think of anything you wouldn't say now. I mean, that's cool. Um, it wasn't like radical, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. You got to remember also we were, you know, we're in Canada, so it's probably... Different culture. Different, yeah, a little bit different culture than here. How did your parents feel about the way you talked and what you wore? They never really responded to it. No, no, we didn't. I mean, the only I think the only thing they didn't like there was a there's a period of time when we wore construction boots because I think they're back in style now. Tim's, yeah, those like those those tan yeah, tan Timberland. boots yeah, yeah, yeah. with the uh, metal toe. Mm-hmm. Those were super popular at one point, and we uh, you know everybody had to have them, and they they thought they were the stupidest thing ever. Um, Probably pretty stupid for general everyday wear. Yeah. <laughs> Walking around with these five pound boots on your feet. <laughs> we used to wear them to school. Oh my god! Everybody used to wear them. It was a kind of a big thing. Uh, when did you learn how to drive? Um, I was well. I got my license when I was sixteen, but when I was fourteen, um, my neighbor uh, used to let me drive his car. Just down our street, mm. you know, when I used to go, with, I was friendly with them. I go to the store with them or something, and they would let me drive. It was a it was an old Mustang, hmm. and they used to let me. And of course, I'm driving like a you know half a mile an hour <laughs> down, down the street. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started driving when I was 16. Uh, my father got me, uh, bought me a car when I went to when I graduated high school. So it was your your neighbor that primarily taught you how to drive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My father taught me how to drive when I needed to get my license. Okay. I went in the car with him. But your prior knowledge came from your yeah. neighbor. Yeah, my neighbor and my brother used to drive his car. His, he had a stick. His car, first car was a stick. And I didn't know how to drive a stick in those days. Yeah. So I couldn't drive that car very much. But uh, um, that's why I was driving my neighbor's and my father's, through my father's car. And what was the first car you said he got you? It was a 1973 um, Duster. Gold, what, what company is that? Dodge. Dodge Duster. Yeah, I used to call it the Golden Chariot. <laughs> I'm sure it was anything. It like... was like <laughs> it was a straight six, a straight six or slant six. I think it was a straight six, six cylinder, and had like no horsepower whatsoever. <laughs> it may have had negative horsepower. It was like a very problematic car because. Um, we learned after we bought the car, we bought this car, a car from this Jamaican guy in like a, who, who had a body shop, which should, <laughs> should, have told, should have told us something. It was $750. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I get home with the car, with the golden chariot, and my sister wants to go for a ride. So I get in the car and go for a ride with her up down a highway, and the car stops working while I'm on the highway. <laughs> 
okay, what's going on here? And it just won't start. It doesn't go. I have no idea what's going on. Some really nice guy pulls up uh, wanting to help us. And he figures out that it, there's, it's, it, there's no fuel. But my gas gauge says three quarters full. Gas gauge is broken. Gas gauge is broken. It doesn't work. So three quarters full. So he figured it out. He, he siphoned some gas into my tank. And I went to the, I went to the uh, gas station, filled up with, with gas. And then after that, for years, uh, the way I could tell how much gas I had in my tank was to stop abruptly at a stop sign and listen for the Swish. gas, the swishing of the gas tank. So you know if it's going like, vroom, vroom, like I have a lot of gas. If it's splish, splash, splish, splash, splish, splash, I need to go fill up. <laughs> so that's how we figure out gas. And then it was terrible in the rain. There was a, a design flaw in the car where the distributor cap was on, was on the bottom of the engine like this. And whenever if a distributor cap gets soaked, you're, it can't deliver spark into the engine. Mm -hmm. And so anytime I went through any puddles or any heavy rain, the car would start going and it would stop. And then eventually what I would do is I would, um, I bought this bottle of Pentine. It's a spray. Mm -hmm. And I would have to get out in a highway or wherever I was, open up the hood, take out the distributor crap, spray it with the spray, put it back on and reassemble everything and go and then continue to go. Um, it was, it was quite the car. I used to race it. My, my friend Joe had a, a I think also a 71 or 72 Nova, which had a, which also had a six cylinder. And we used to, we used to, it was the battle, we used to race. It was battle of the, you know, cars who, you know, who would stroll off the finish, <laughs> off the starting line. The shit bucket battle. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I got to look it up. And I think there was no more than a hundred horsepower in that engine. <laughs> Zero to 60 sometimes. <laughs> Eventually. Um, what was your high school graduation like? Um, well, I never, the, yeah, I did go to the ceremony. Uh, went to the, the grad, it was, it was fun. It was an interesting evening. <laughs> so, uh, I had a, uh, your mother was there. Um, I went with her. I wore a powder blue suit. That's, uh, stylish for the times, I'm sure. White shirt, <laughs> white shirt, no tie. <laughs> An open chest, open hairy chest. Star face going on. All open hairy chest. Yeah, exactly. Very, very, very close. Um, we had so we had the the usual the dinner, you know, the, the banquet that was had, and then a bunch of bunch of us went up north. We had booked a motel up north where we we're all going to party, sort of about an hour and a half away from from town, and then on the way, uh, friends of ours who were already hammered at the time, you know, wound up ditching their car. Jeez. And uh, the, the, my friend Paul destroyed his car, and so he he wound up getting stuck there. We helped him out of the ditch. His car got towed. I think mean, he wound up going home after that. And just a few of us went up went up uh, to the uh, hotel and hung out there uh, the rest of the night. And that was the rest of the night was normal. No more people crashing cars or anything. No, not that we remember. <laughs> <laughs> what dreams or goals did you have when you graduated? Graduate high school? Yeah. Uh, I just want to go to college. Uh, remember in, in Montreal, in Quebec at the time, I think it's still now, it only went to grade 11. Mm. And then you did two years of junior college called Seja. So I just wanted to go into the sciences. At that point, I wanted to do something in the sciences. Um, probably wanted to be a chemist at that point. Um, and I mean, that was basically it. That was, that was as far as I was thinking. But you know, so when you graduated high school, you still had two more years of non, non-university at that point. Mm. So you didn't take it that seriously at that point. As we close up the chapter on your childhood slash uh, young adulthood, is there any uh, memories you wanted to uh, bring up as well? <laughs> there are lots of memories. <laughs> Some of them are a little foggy. Um, I don't know. I have to think about it. We left out a lot of stuff when we were talking. I was talking about my early childhood. I mean, there were a lot of memories as a you know as a, as a teenager as well um you know i guess there's a lot of like i guess like most kids right just hang out be friends um uh, you know i don't even know where to start with that with stuff like that <laughs> um you know interesting house parties i was um for some crazy wacky reason i have no idea why 
uh, I was confronted by a friend's father who thought that I was sleeping with his wife. <laughs> oh, no. And he was a big boy. Like, he was a big boy. And he had me up against the wall at his house at one point. And started accusing me of, like, having slept with his wife. And I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> and, and he was, he was, he was the chicken man. Uh, he had, he sold chickens to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Ah. He used to call him the chicken man. <laughs> uh, but there was no thought. Not because you were sleeping his wife and he wasn't going to do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was <called> that. <laughs> Um, no, that's why I suppose I have to think about, you know, specific stories. Okay. We're going back to it. Yeah. 